Hi, I'm Adrienne Smith, and this is the Messy Progress Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with John Ireland, the lead pastor at Ocean Hills Covenant Church in Santa Barbara, California. We talk about how we know when we are called to something, what it really looks like to be called up to more, and what it looks like to create a family culture inside of a business. enough to, I'll tell you our story about how we met, because it's one of my favorite, is, um, I think I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sort of new to town. John's been in Santa Barbara for 35 years. 35 is it yep. right? Yep. And I've been in Santa Barbara for, it's like 11 or so now. Um, you, you know you're getting old when you reference everything by the years yeah, and stuff. Right? Right. Like it makes me think of my dad. In 1975, I was, mm-hmm. you know, driving across the country in my underwear with my brother. And <laughs> anyway, but when we first moved here, we went to the beach, to, to East Beach. And um, we had just, we were, my husband and we were just dating at the time, Jason and I were like shopping around for churches. And... I had gone to Ocean Hills. It's one of the places that we visited. And anyway, you know, had the experience that I had. I can't even remember that. But I, what I do remember was John's voice. And so we're at East Beach, and I see um, a couple guys in wetsuits, and I hear this voice. And I was like, wow, that voice sounds really familiar. And then I realize I'm like, wait, I think you were – were you the, are you the pastor at Ocean Hills? And you're in your Speedo, like, changing. And, and you're like, yeah. And so the crazy part about it was, I can't remember, like, I love this story, because I, I think I even shared it at um, church when I was, yeah. um, like, Christmas Eve yeah. one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, like, the, serend- the serendipity. Like, I yeah. think whenever, what I've noticed with you, John, is, like, whenever you're in my life or people of faith are in my life, like I, I start to notice more of, um, I don't know, like the divine intervention of like things colliding and situational perfection and messiness. And, um, anyway, so that, that I tell this story, I think I was telling the story in yoga class. It was like a Sunday morning service. Um, and it was right was right before Easter or something like that. And anyway, yeah, one of your staff members, Cozy, was in the class. Right. It right. was a 6 p.m. class, I remember. And I tell this story about how um, I had gone to – this is what it was. It was, it, it was Easter. I went down to San Diego and go to take Easter service with my friend. Yeah. And – it was the most awkward situation I've ever experienced. <laughs> We're sitting in this, like, brand-new church place – and the pastor is like talking about the story of Christ and resurrection. And if, you know, if you believe this and everyone's eyes are closed, yeah. if you believe this stand up. And I was under the impression that it was like, everyone was standing. Mm-hmm. And so my eyes, I remember sitting in my chair and I said to myself, the words I said, the only reason you're not standing is because you're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want to be the only one standing. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's not how you live your life. And so I stood up and my husband, boyfriend at the time, stood up with me and we, oh, like no one else was standing. We were the only ones. And then the pastor had everyone else open their eyes and say, let's applaud these two like newborn Christians. I was like, oh gosh, this is not what I had in mind. 
And so, but at that moment, everyone at the church was like super welcoming. We didn't even live there, but they were just super kind and sweet. They gave us gift cards to like yeah. on iTunes and I got a new believers Bible. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, um, I come back. It was a Sunday morning. I come back Monday and cozy tells me, I tell this story in my yoga class. Like yeah. I'm in this place now where I'm like, number one, I realized that I didn't stand because I was embarrassed. And number two, what do I do now? And she comes up to the desk and she hands me her card and she's like, reach out. She's like, I can wow. kind of give you a direction yeah. to like, this is what you can do next. And yeah. anyway, that's my story of meeting so you. And, um, I kind of remember it too with the uh, speed of saying something like, I'm not usually dressed this way <laughs> or I don't. <laughs> this is not how I usually meet people yes. in the congregation. I remember be feeling embarrassed. Whereas Jason and you, you guys are outdoor athletes in the ocean all the time anyways. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. So 22 years Ocean Hills has been in existence. Yep. And you were, what role did you have at the Monastery Covenant prior Yeah, I was the youth and family pastor there for 13 years. And then we started Ocean Hills Church because... I realized I was working at this church that was amazing. I loved it, but it wasn't, uh, it was just filled with more people that are church people. And I wanted to start a church for people who don't like church, that, that would connect and reach people uh, that have had a negative experience with church, which a lot of our, our community has. People get uh, burned out or beat up, or bored. I kind of use those B words to describe people's experiences. Where you say beat up, bored. Yeah, beat up, up, bored, and burned out. Sounds yeah. like, I think everyone's beat up, bored, and burned yeah. out right now. COVID. <laughs> right, yeah. And, um, you know, there's a, I think for me, uh, I never really had a dream of, I want to do my own business or start my own church, but uh, I was 38 years old, and I was like, you know what? Um, I, I felt God really calling me to do it. And I, because I wanted to create a community uh, that felt more authentic. And real. I mean, I was wearing a coat and tie to church every week and we were singing out of the hymnal, nothing wrong with the hymnal, but you know, I was leading singing out of a hymnal. I, I, I that just doesn't, that's not, the person I know you yeah. to be, it's like, whoa, that would be yeah. super. Yeah. Um, it was different. Yeah. So I think it also, it kind of, uh, shifted me into more of my sweet spot, into a leadership role with adults that, and creating a culture and a church that was fun. Um, and we do a lot of outdoor stuff and in the community. And yeah. What was it like for you when you, I, I don't, don't want to say that it was like a moment, but like at some point you had to tell your boss yeah. that this was something in your heart that you wanted to do. Yeah. What did you feel at that it's, moment? It's funny you frame it that way because it, it actually, it kind of the way it really happened was he had, he had to tell me. He said to me, look, we're not going to start a church, a new church on our own out of here. It's whether you want to do it or not. You have to decide. We'll support you if you're going to do it. But if you're not going to do it, we're not going to do it without you. So you got to decide, is God calling you into this new adventure or not? you got to figure that out. 
and we're a hundred percent behind you if you if you want to do it. But if you don't want to do but it, but if you wanted to do it there, well, like, to start a new church, not in Montecito, oh, but, okay. but in downtown Santa Barbara. So, you know, for me, you know, again, so you had shared with him that you. This oh was yeah, something he was. We, he was part of the process. Okay. We were feeling like you know Montecito Covenant. It's up on the hill in Montecito. It's like we dare you to find us. Westmont students call it Montecito convenient, you know, it's right kind of next door, but um, it, it just, for me, it was time to do something different, and I felt like, um, well, there's a passage in Matthew 14 when Jesus calls, Matt, or, uh, calls Peter out of the boat to walk on water, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And that phrase, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. That was like, those words were the words of my heart. God, if it's you calling me out of the boat to take a risk, to start this new, you have to make it clear, tell me to come. I don't want it to be about my ego. I don't want it to be about I'm manipulating this process. I was fighting it, actually. That's why it was, you know, um, but uh, through uh, lots of encouragement and prayer and really discerning with our community at Montecito Covenant, felt a strong sense of, you're the guy to do it. You, we believe in you, and you have what it takes. And God's so like people were telling you that. Yeah. 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 Um, so when, I'm interested in this because my, I mean, you know me. Yeah. I've known for a long time, and. I feel like people will ask me, like, where do you go to church? And I'm like, well, Ocean Hills is my church, but I don't, I wouldn't say I've gone in a long time. Yeah. But I um, I think where I always struggle in faith is like this, there's a, a day that I believe I get super called, led, you know, stand up, yeah. people cheering. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm moving in the right direction. And then there's like, I don't ever feel that or hear that, I guess, like God calling me. Yeah. So like, in yoga, we'll specifically say something like when you get a body sensation, hmm. like you're in a conversation with yeah. someone and you get a body sensation, yeah. like your body doesn't lie, Yeah. but it might be that you're scared and it could also be that you're excited because the feeling actually feels really similar. Like I'll give you an example. Yeah. When I know that I'm about to do something that's scary, but also um, something that I'm supposed to do. I feel like I'm gonna crap my pants. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time You're I've so ever, funny. every time I've ever raced, I'm like, oh my god, I'm ready yeah. for this, but I'm so nervous. And I mean, yes. I could go to the bathroom a hundred times, or like when I'm supposed to have a, like I take a deep breath and I'm supposed to like have a clearing conversation yeah. with a team member, or my yeah. husband. Like I get a feeling, like that's when I know, like, oh, you're on the right track, Adrian, and keep yeah. going. But it's, it's yes. not an easy one. Yeah. So like from like, I guess like the person that's like I don't know, maybe like not. They don't hear the words. Like, right. it's not like a conversation. For me, it's never been a conversation like, hey, God, what's happening? Yeah. Like, tell me what to do or how to do this. And then he's like, hey, I think you should. Yeah. So I, I think the language that we use in the kind of faith subculture is uh, there's a, a stirring in your heart. There's, there's a turning up of the volume in your heart you have the this uh, a nudge a whisper the bible talks about uh god's still small voice uh and speaking uh to the prophet elijah he wasn't in the earthquake or the he was in a still small voice and um and so 
They are. They're, they, I, I think there are impression, divine impressions. And then I think the way you stay out of kind of heretical theology is checking that with your faith community. Is this me driving this or is God in it? And so when I've had these moments where I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me, uh, I always check it with uh, close friends, mentors, spiritual sages in my life to say, hey, I, I don't want to move forward with this. I, I want to, do you think God's in this or is this just John Ireland's ego? Or Let me ask you a question yeah. about this. So yeah. are there people in your life that if you were to check something, how do I ask this question? It's like, there's people that we go to that we know that they're going to agree with us on yeah. something, not necessarily yeah. the right way, but yeah. like, it's, for sure. do you ever check things with them? Oh yeah. Oh, my wife's, my wife's one that she's usually, uh, she's a great gut check for me because she's a straight shooter. And, um, and then I, I do, I have some other people in my life. I, I'm thinking of, a guy named Doug Stevens. I'm thinking of Kurt Peterson, a guy named Art Greco now. Um, are these people you've known for a long time? They are. Yeah. Um, Gary Gadini, Chuck. I mean, I do. I have, I have guys in my life that um, would say, no, that's, uh, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't support that, or I don't know that that's God. Uh, Bart Tarman's another voice I've had in my life over the years. So, yeah. Um, I'm amazed. Like, I'm thinking I have currently, like, one person. Mm, I mean, I, my husband's mm, one of them, but, yeah. like, one person that I know that I could bring up any specific thing about, yeah. even with my husband. Yeah. Like, hey, this is the situation. And, yeah. like, I always get that. It's, and I, what I'm saying is, like, I have one. Yeah. And I'm, like, hearing you list off, like, I've got this person and that person and this person. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, I'm 61 years yeah, old. Yeah, sure. But, you know. I've got a couple years But, you know, I, I do think that's an important part of uh, uh, every person's life is to have mentors, sages, uh, voices in our life that we can um, go to and say, am I crazy right now? Or... You know, and you could, that could be about marriage, that could be about career, that could be about parenting, that could be about all these important topics. And so, like, you've, you've talked to me about now you've, something you've done for the church is you've brought someone on as, like, a coach. Yeah. yeah. And what was the uh, turning point for you that you said, I, I need this support system? Yeah. Well, it's so great. It's it's actually a fun story. She came to me, this coach, and said, I'm getting, I think it was like, I, I don't remember the exact details, but it's like, I'm getting my senior coaching certificate and I need some hours. Would you be willing to let me coach you? And I was like, I don't need a coach. I'm like 59, at the time I was 59, I was like, I don't need a coach. But I was like, okay, I'll do it as a favor. Like, that's really what my mindset was. I, I'll just, I'll, I'll do it as a favor. And I remember the first coaching session. It was like, so what do you want to talk about? She says to me, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, this is your thing, not mine. Like, uh, I'm helping you. You're not helping me. That's, that's really, there was kind of almost a, you know, arrogance maybe in that. But um, quickly, 
uh, there was a shift and all of a sudden the way she framed things that, you know, we did start talking about things in my career, my, our church, our staff, direction, uh, our culture. Um, and she started coaching, not just me, but some others. And then she would come to me and she said to me, do you know that you do not have a culture of accountability on your, I remember having this conversation with you on your staff. And I was like, what? And she said, and that's okay if you don't want one. I mean, it's up to you. Do you want it? I can help you develop a culture of accountability. And so it was part of it was dealing with the reality of what was really happening in our bubble. And, you know, it's easy to get into a cultural bubble and it's like a family system and you don't see the dysfunction because you're part of it. Right. And so having an outside voice, having somebody on the outside that, that can see and hear and, and is paying attention to the bubble and the culture. And that's what she's brought to our team. Uh, and it's worked. It's and working. it's working. She's built trust with our staff uh, because she's for everybody. She's for the organization. She's not like the hard ass, like, like I've brought in this hard ass to whip everybody into shape. We're going to get this culture of accountability. It's more like. She wants to see you win as a group. Yes. Yeah. And it's awesome. Have you ever had anyone that you've consulted with, coached from, like, that, like it didn't work? Like this was a win. Like it was just like a gift that was brought to you. I'll do this as a favor. Yeah. And then there's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, certainly I've had experiences with people. In fact, she just introduced us to a guy that she was saying, I think he could do a kind of strategic plan for us. I'm thinking maybe we needed to go into strategic planning. And I was a little resistant because I'm like, at my age, I'm like, I've seen more mission statement, vision statement, core values, and they're in the file. And nobody, nobody even knows them. We've done this many times. And I'm like, I don't need this, you know. But I said, but I said, I want to be willing. I want to be humble and say. And she's like proven herself yeah, so far. Yeah. yeah. So I said, okay. So we got on the Zoom call. And and honestly, the guy was great. Uh, really nice guy, but really corporate. And it, it felt like, you know. It, it you felt could, like you were back in the suit and tie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I knew we have a family culture. And. We need to have a little bit more of a corporate culture, but we don't want to lose our family culture. And so that's part of the dance we're in right now is trying to figure out, you know, how do we keep our family? We all love each other and we celebrate each other and we do life together. But there are times you have to have the hard conversation or, hey, all your vacation time, you've used it up. You don't get to go away for another two weeks because uh, there's other. This is just how it is. Yeah, this is the way it is. Yeah. So you know, it's so interesting that your brain. I don't know that this is taking this direction. Yeah. Um, I just, a uh, colleague of mine in the yoga world, her name's Pauline Caballero, I don't know how to say it, Caballero, and she just wrote a book called Pivot, and I just bought it, it just mm-hmm. came out, and, um, and the first week is the, the practice of perspective, and you actually have an email in your inbox from me that's like, I want feedback on these things. Oh, great. So anyway, but it starts with, 
core values. And right away I was like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to draw the line and do the thing. (laughs) And then I always know like where there's resistance, there's usually something to be learned. And so I pulled out my book and I started writing and you write down like pivotal events in your life. Like if you were to write a biography for yourself, autobiography, whatever, like the moments that you'd share. And so I wrote down several of these moments. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came through was family and what you're describing. It's interesting talking about this consulting and bringing people in. It's like, I've done it a couple of times where I've brought someone in and then it shook things up and it caused me to stand on more firmer ground. But like I'm, what I'm getting from what you just said was I actually, family is so important to me. Mm -hmm. Like makes me want to cry. It's like, but I'm at moments like I forget that and I get stuck in the like, got to do this, got to do the business yeah. thing. I got to just move forward. And, and I'm good at that. Like that's yeah. like a, a definite gift where I can just put aside the personal yeah. and just it's go straight into action. Yeah. And I started in corporate. You're and an so like thinking, of, yeah. <laughs> thinking about this, like family as a value, like I didn't just until this moment was like, I didn't see the value, like the, we have a family culture. Yeah. Family is a value. Family is a culture yeah. different from family is one of my priorities. Yeah. Cause like I've been in, I have a three year old. Yeah. She's a huge priority. Like I'm not working at night. I'm not doing teacher trainings on the weekends because it's when I get to be with her and be with my family. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like just seeing how like, Oh, but like family can exist in a way of like how the group is built and mm-hmm. finessed and cared for and, yeah, and just like think about, you know, just this idea of this podcast being about like being messy. I like, just think of the same thing. Life is messy. It's messy. And and when you have a family culture in a <laughs> church, <laughs> in a yoga studio, it is. But that's part of what you're saying is we are willing to embrace the mess. Because I think the temptation is we're just gonna be a corporate culture. And when it's corporate, there's no family. It's like this is the way it is. You're supposed to be here. Every, everything's just a little more regimented. And it Dude, doesn't... and I've swung the pendulum yeah. like so many times. It's not warm anymore. It's, and yeah. And so trying to live in the tension of, I think this is where we are. We're, we're similar in the cultures we're trying to create. You want that family culture uh, at Power of Your Own. Uh, that's part of what attracts people. That's part of what people, they're like, oh, it feels like it's my second family here, you know, and you have to open on time and you have to clean up the studio and your employees have to do their job or, uh, we have to be like, well, currently it's yeah. like, we also have to be having money come yeah. in so yeah. that we can employ people. Exactly. And then it's like, I mean, I think about just church is the same way. Yeah. yeah. I think about like looking back on so my, history is like my parents have had four kids and they started at 20 and um you know my like money was a thing like I've never had an issue with money but it's also like this thing that's in the background like feast or fam not feast or famine but just like I just can I can visualize my mom getting my dad's paycheck when he brought it home on a Thursday and her going to the bank to cash it it was like you just did that and so it's like being smart like don't wasting and yeah. like 
kind of like just like how the household operated and like the family also operated like a business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many aspects to that. And, and I think people that aren't in charge aren't the owner of the business or the president or the CEO or whatever you want to call it. They don't understand the pressure, the ownership in terms of how strong you feel, I feel about the culture, about what I want. I mean, I was on a staff for 13 years. I was paying zero attention to the budget. I wasn't, you know, oh, hey, did we have a big month? Or, I, I didn't care. I was just doing my job. I mean, that, that's what I was doing. But there's a whole nother level. When I started Ocean Hills, all of a sudden I'm looking at the financial monthly statements on income and expenses. And I care about that stuff because when I'm hiring new people, can we afford to hire new people? Uh, well, yeah, so how do you share that? Like in the family atmosphere, yeah. it's like, what's a need to know item yeah. and then what's like where are you fully transparent and yeah. and is it this you know is it always the same does it shift and change yeah. i think for the, i'm not i don't know that i've done it uh the, the perfect way or the right way i could just say that i i want to celebrate the wins uh with staff um when things are going great, but here we are in COVID. So yeah, we have not met. Well, we just met last Sunday for the first time, church at the beach, but we had to have a limited gathering, blah, blah, blah. But, so we haven't met in seven months. So we're online services. So of course, uh, our staff, they're smart enough to know, okay, that's gotta impact giving. And uh, it does. Are we hemorrhaging? No because we had some reserves, but again, that's part of the business decision. Are like, do you share, do, just, does the staff, staff know that? Like, or is, do they just know based on like? They know some things. We don't, I don't tell them everything. I don't want to burden, burden mm -hmm. them with it. I mean, part of it, that's my job. Is, but I like what you said. You're just like, I don't yeah. want to burden them with it. I don't. And yeah. it's, it's no, I love that this has yeah. gone this direction. Yeah. Like, I do think of it so much as a family. Like, if I look at like the ways that my parents were stressed. Yeah. And like, they also... We're able to provide you. everything yeah. that we ever needed. Yeah. And um, I just remember, like, when I got, I, I remember, there's certain, like, pivotal moments where it's, like, that was a game changer for a decision yes. that I made. And yeah. I don't know why this comes, comes to mind, but I was in college, and I got my, I was going out of state college, and my mom was a waitress, and she worked extra so that because like the amount of financial aid yeah. we could get yeah. was like a, a, a some amount but then the rest had to come out of pocket and I I was decide I had at that point in time had decided to double major and spend an extra semester at school oh wow and it was the winter break right before I was going to have two more semesters left and I got I saw the check or the um, invoice come in from UW Madison and it was something like $8,600 was due for the next semester. Yikes. And I just got hit with this reality of yeah. what it was costing my family yeah. for me to be in school. Yeah. And I knew it going into it, like yeah. how much it was, but as everybody knows, college keeps rising. Yeah. And at that moment, I just realized, I was like, I don't want to be a burden on my family. Yeah. And I figured out a way to not double major and took 18 credits that next semester and just graduated yeah. on time. Yeah. 
and then got a job and yeah. whatever. Yeah. It like no longer was on yeah. my parents. Um, what's it called when you're on your parents' tab? Scholarship. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But I just yeah. like they didn't let me in. Yeah. Because they were being parents, yes. like, and I, I like appreciate that they yes. kept the, their worries to them, and also gave me the agency to make my own choice. Like, I don't even know that my parents know that story. Yeah, it's real though. And I think as an owner, or as a leader, as a president, as a pastor, as a CEO of a company, you know, you you carry the weight of that. I, and you don't, I don't think you realize it until you're in it. I, Cause I talk to guys that have done my job and they've left it and now they're working for another organization. And I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that in the last <laughs> six months. I'm like, I just want to work for someone. Yeah. I just want to like, and they don't miss it. That's what they say. I don't miss it. I don't I sleep at night. I'm not worried about, cause you're, cause there's a lot, there's a lot of things you, you're carrying when you're, when you're in a leadership position. Like it's, it's the bottom line of finances. That's one, but it's your team, your staffing, your scheduling, your staff culture. Do they like each other? Oh, there's somebody on my staff who doesn't like this person. They're not getting, that affects everybody. Uh, so what keeps you in it? You like, know, what keeps you in it? Yeah. Um, Especially right now. Like this is, yeah. you shared with me, like this has been the hardest yeah, time. Just politically, yeah. socially. All of it. Um, I think what keeps me in it, God, that's a great gut check question for me. I mean, one is I love my church family. I love I love the unique culture that we've created. I think it, I believe in it. So I'm in it because I really do believe in it. I'm not going through the motions. I'm not like, uh, like I believe that our core message that Jesus is the life giver is true. And I do believe that when I orient my life around him, not just raise my hand or stand up in a church service like you did, but then that's like getting to first base. But then the rest of your life is orienting your life around Christ so that you become a more loving person. It's really that simple. It's not about doctrine and theology. I mean, all that stuff's important, but at the end of the day, if all that doctrine and theology and Bible reading isn't being translated into the transformation of my life and your life, why are we doing this? So for me, I'm in it because my own life and uh, family and story has been transformed by God. Um, and I believe that he's the hope of the world. So. Washington, D.C. isn't the hope of the world. And I mean, there's a whole lot of things that money's not the hope of the world. I, you know, I, I, I have more money today than I've ever had in my life. And it's has not at all affected my happiness. I live in a nicer house, but you can bigger bills, but bigger <laughs> bills. You can still feel lonely. You can still be in fights with your family. You can still dot, 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 dot. So. Um, so that's like, so in yoga, we have, um, like the, the way that yeah. the methodology that we practice here is called Baptist yoga. And there's the, um, keystone pillar is drishti. So setting your eyes on an attention and intention on what you want to be for yeah, and then being for it. For it. And I so like it's, we can put our attention on lots of things yeah, and and what you're saying is like, I put my attention on my belief. Like yeah. when it's not working, 
I go back to like, what do I believe in? Like when my it's job. It's the why. Yeah. It's the why. It is. It's the why. It always comes back to the why. And if the why doesn't drive me, if I don't believe in my why, then I would quit. Yeah. Have you ever not believed in your why? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I go, you go through doubts. You go through where you have drift, you drift and you're like, Am I, I mean, I have, I got lots of stories I could tell you, but um, the, the, the biggest, one of the most iconic stories of my life was going to Oprah Winfrey's house for Stedman's 60th birthday with 60 guests and sitting at a dinner table um, across from a little old man who I didn't want to talk to because I felt like I was Oh, I got stuck. They put me with this older couple, and I wanted to be with the famous people. And anyways, the it long feels like it feels like junior high lunch, <laughs> like that first. Like, oh, here I am. It is I'm not at the popular table. Yeah, and and, and you could have checked out, but and I kind of did check out, and then I felt going back to calling and the whisper and the nudge. I felt a tug on my heart that I would say was the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, saying, reach out to the guy across from you. Don't be rude. Like, you just do it. So I did. And the long and short of it is, is this guy, his name was Jim Pattison. And he's the third richest guy in Canada. He's like worth $6 billion. And I'm sitting there not wanting to talk to him. And he asked me, so what business are you in? And I said, well, I'm a, a minister. He goes, a what? And I said, well, I, I'm a pastor. Like, of a church, he said? I said, yeah. And, so he, and then he said this, so are you like into saving souls? And I said, well, I don't really use that language. And he said, well, what language do you use? And here's where the conversation led was. He said, I don't think you're that serious about your job or ministry. He goes, I wouldn't go to your church because I don't think you really believe in it. He called me out. It was it was a game-changing night for me. And uh, But it, he went on to say, but we're going to find out tonight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're going to find out how serious you are. And he challenged me to come up with a new vision plan. That night. That night. He said, I want you to go get with your board, your leadership team, and come up with a strategy to grow the church and you got to believe in it and if and he goes the only way i'm going to know you believe in it is if you then go out and raise a hundred thousand dollars so that was the like what's the proof yeah so don't just come up with a plan then you go raise the money when you raise the money then you call me at this number and i'll send you another hundred grand i'll match it and he did i did the plan i and i call and i raised the money it's a short answer, and uh, and then he sent it. But it was a gut check. I and the way I would describe that that season of my life is I got comfortable. Which when you get comfortable, you also can get careless, and you start going through the motions, and you don't really. You can. Uh, it's called mission drift. You can just drift away from your mission and your purpose, and you start going through the motions, whether you're a yoga instructor or a pastor of a church, you know, mission drift. And, uh, and like that night when he said, so 
what business are you in? Like, are you about saving souls if you're not about that? So he wasn't telling me what I should be. And he was just saying, asking me. Yeah. So what did you create that night? Like yeah. as you're, you're in the business oh, of I, I could hardly sleep that night. I think for me, it was going back to the, you know, that, is it Simon? Yeah. yeah. Who, 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 you know, um, it's like, why am I, am I in this? Maybe it's, a, maybe it is time for me to do something else. So you kind of try on those things. Well, what else would I... And how long ago was this? This was... Uh, uh, like nine... Maybe, actually, it'll be 10 years in March. 10 years ago. Are you getting invited to Stedman's 70th birthday? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so that was... so. You're, at that point, you're 10 years, 12 years into your church. Yep. And then you, yeah. you made it like another 10. It's interesting because I'm yeah. at nine years of my studio. Yeah. And this year has you, yeah. rocked my world. And, yeah. and taking a break and like, what are you in the business of? I'm like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And I actually. What a great gut check. I got called. This is funny. I don't. I was at a program. It was about a year ago, I think. And I. <laughs> Last November, I like went on a retreat, and I just was just like, I don't want to do anything anymore. Like, yeah. I don't want to do this program anymore. I didn't want to do the second studio that I was going to yeah. have anymore. And I tried to get out of the lease. I tried to get out of the program, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had someone in my world at that moment that was speaking into me that was yeah. like, don't do that rash thing. Yeah. So anyway, went to the program. We get there. and basically realized, like, I'm there. I'm not even needed for the team. Yeah. But we get called up as team, and... Baron Baptiste asks, he says, what, um, like, what are you here for? Like, what's your purpose? And I stood up and I, I said, I honestly, I don't know. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I am the worst liar. Like if you're wearing, if you say to me like, Hey, I love your shirt. And you're like, I'd be like, thanks. I got nothing to say back. And it's not because I don't see anything, but I'm just like, I, a lot of times just don't see the surface. Like, so when he asked me that question, it's still been like kind of burning in me of like, yeah, what are you in the business of Adrian? What are you sorting out? And I shared with you that like this last, yeah, it's been 42 days of doing that purpose driven life book with Warren. And, um, and it was, which is a great read for your listeners. Totally. And like faith or not, like, if, you know, whatever, wherever you are in your walk of life. I mean, the first line of the book is worth the price of the book. Yeah. And it is. I'm not gonna, do you know what? Can yeah. I say it? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you, man. If we can wrap our head around that, when you realize life, it's not about me and it's about living beyond myself, not living for myself. That's a huge, huge insight and breakthrough for people mm-hmm. when we can, uh, when we can allow that thought to uh, change our our approach to life, it's just like permeate everywhere. Oh yeah, it's like you know, I just to you know this podcast of like sorting out how to yeah. make it happen and create it. Like I got lit up in a moment in this group that I'm a part of. They were talking about some stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, I finally figured out like this thing what I want to do. I want to have these conversations with people, and yeah. And then I started making a list of all the people that I'm like, oh my God, I want to have a conversation. Like, I love talking to you. It's such a pleasure to like be able to like have you reach out to me this morning and be like, I can do it this morning. I'm like, I will figure out how to make this happen. And, um, but I've been spending so much time in the last couple months 
just like wallowing in like meville like why me poor me victim villain you know all those things and you know for good reasons at times like sure. i own a small business that still cannot be open yeah. not everybody else in that in yeah. those shoes yeah and though when i live like when you say talk about like um you know i go back to like what i believe in mm -hmm. and my and my mission and doing it for others yeah like that's what pulls me out. It's like, yeah. wait, Adrian, when you first started your yoga studio way back when, like there was one person, two people coming and it actually yeah. says, and quote me, I'm wrong, I'm not getting this right, but like fellowship is anywhere that there's more than, there's two, two or, or three, more two people or three are gathered. gathered. God is present, yeah. And so I think this, like, you know, those of you listening that are like the yoga studio owners yeah. and, you know, we're being asked to operate with, you know, in California, even it's like 10% capacity in some places that are going to be open. Yeah. And I know that it's so easy to get our mind set on and I, I'm so guilty of it. Like, what's the point? I can't operate. There's no way that I can pay all yeah. my bills at this point. And yet it's like, is that how, why you started? Yeah. Is that what you got into this for? Right. Is that the mission originally? That's and that's it. I mean, I think that's such a key insight. And because of the way we live our lives, we don't take time to push the pause button on our life and unplug and reboot and say, why am I doing this? And um, who am I doing it with? And where are we headed? Do I still believe in it? That those those big questions, you, I mean, I don't ask them every day, but you know what, I'll, I'll do half-day retreats. I'll do one-day retreats where I bring my journal and I'm asking those questions because at the end of the day, if I'm doing it for other people, uh, I'm, I'm going to burn out. I'm going to, you know, I have I'm to just get bored. Well, I'm going to get bored, beat out. up, or burned <laughs> out. Yeah, it's like... Because when you do get beat up, what you do as a pastor of a church in this political climate, I got a target on my back. I can, uh, and, and as a yoga studio owner, you can get beat up too. You should run your studio this way, or I don't like this or that. I don't, you know. Don't swear. Yeah, but it's. I think when I'm grounded and really connected to God, I and know my purpose, my calling. I'm in this. It helps me get through those hard times and. Uh, it helps me get up in the morning and realize I'm here to serve others. And, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. You mentioned, um, in, I don't know, years ago in a sermon, something about having a chair, like mm. a place that you take your seat. Yeah. Chair time. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. I have a leather chair in my house and, uh, my wife has one too. They're in the same room and at 6 a.m. every morning we go sit in that chair. We call it the God chair. And that's where we meet with God. We read scripture, sacred readings. We, I have like three or four different books. Rick Warren, I have one of his books. Um, and I read the Psalms every morning. I pray, I journal. And, and it's, it's where I listen for the whisper, listen for God's voice. It's, man, I, I lose perspective like everybody else about my marriage, about uh, my daughter, about the church, about political climate about my friends so and how long do you spend in chair time, time for me is from six 
by the time I make my Pete's coffee <laughs> and sit in the chair at 6.15 uh, until 7.15, I'm in there for about an hour. Um, and then my wife goes to school. She's a school teacher. Um, and then we're, we're kind of off on our days. Yeah. And but do you, that's do they, where you the, commit that's, to that every day? I do. I do. It's, it's a, I call it a sacred rhythm of my life. Um, what happens when you are like, we're not out late right now. Cause it's like, no, yeah. it's not like we have a curfew, but it's like, there's nothing to do. Yeah. But let's say you, you go out a little late. Yeah. I was, uh, you still I, get up? I, I filmed the other night, Wednesday night, I got home at 10 15 and I was wired. So I couldn't go to sleep. So I stayed up till midnight and I got up at seven o'clock. So I, I'm human. I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not, I don't have a problem with, I, but I, I have a relationship with the living God. So he, he was waiting for me over in the chair, but I, I didn't get to it on, on Thursday, on, on Thursday morning, but there's grace in that. I'm, I'm the chair for me is symbolic of connecting with God. And it's not a legal, like, oops, I didn't get it. And I, I beat myself up with guilt. It's more the invitation to renewal and reconnecting with with God in my life, so like I'm always here. Yeah, and like, are you gonna come? That's meet right. Me? There's an invitation every morning to go sit in my chair and meet with God and listen. And I'll listen. I'll put on music sometimes. You know, just background music. Sometimes it's worship music. Sometimes it's uh, classical music. Um, yeah, and. It's just, it's, it's special. I mean, I think I don't, I don't turn my phone on. That's another thing. I, you know, I've never been into fasting, like with food. It's like, ah, oh man, it's like white knuckling. I, I am going to, people say I'm fasting for the week. I've tried, I've fasted for a week. Good for you. <laughs> exactly. But fasting from technology has made a huge difference in my life. And so I don't, uh, I don't turn my phone on until after my chair time every morning. So that's yeah. something you do. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. So whatever comes to mind, I want you to okay. spew it out. Okay. Ready? Yep. Best advice you've ever received from your father. Wow. Um, from my father. Jeez. I love my dad. Today's his birthday, by oh, the way. Whoa. Yep, he's 83. He's 83. I'd say the best advice I received from my dad was he gave me the gift of travel, adventure travel. I've been to every continent except Antarctica. I've been to over 50 countries. And making it happen, you can do it. Get off the beaten path. You know, that was that's part of it, too. Not just go to Paris, but also get off the beaten path and go where other people aren't going. Current hero. Current hero. Wow. Uh, my daughter. I love her. She's inspirational and she's just working so hard at being an amazing human being and growing and asking hard questions and being there with friends that are in crisis. And she's my hero. You have 30 minutes free. Just pops up out of your on your calendar. What do you do with it? Um I go for an ocean swim. 
one thing you would tell the younger version of yourself? It goes fast. It, it just, I'm, I'm actually kind of in a weird place at 61 of going, man, I mean, I'm closer to 70 than I am 50, you know. I'm closer to 80 than I am 40. And so there is a, um, it's, I'm not going to say it's a depression, but my life's, it's, I'm on the back nine. I mean, it's real. So the younger version of myself is take more risks. You hear that, but it's sexy to say it, but man, I, I'm going to take more risks at 61. I hope I take more risks in the next 10 years than I do in the last 40. Yeah. Thank you, John. Love you. Love you more. I'm so grateful for you all for listening and for joining in on this conversation and telling your friends about the show. Our goal is to inspire you and everyone into action. Please take a moment to rate the show and share your comments. It helps us get in front of more eyeballs on the podcast channels and ultimately inspire more people to live a life of passion and purpose while allowing for things to be messy. See you next week.